0: Sharon Lynn Wyeth, creator of Namology Science and author of Know the Name, Know the Person. And in each weekly show, you hear the fascinating ways other people have discovered the genius in themselves and what they were able to accomplish. And at the end of tonight's show, you'll hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. All over the world, people have many, many diverse interests. And in that vein, people have asked about different occupations and areas of life that have highly interested them. People want to know how highly successful people have managed to achieve their genius mindset by utilizing the gifts that are seen in their name when you're looking at the name through nameology science. So how does someone express their creative talents and how do they share those gifts with others in such a way that all benefit? Our guest tonight, our expert, is Laurie-Ann Spagna, who has developed her genius in the area of living life fully in alignment with creation. You'll understand what I mean by that as we continue. Laurie-Ann Spagna is a best-selling author of many books, including How Psychic Are You?, Learn Animal Communication, Animals in the Afterlife, and The Secret Energy of Money and the Spiritual Laws of Wealth. Lori has assisted others in transforming their lives for over 20 years so that they can live to their best and highest. Lori is best known for her recognition of the deep and intimate animal-human connection in terms of how animals mirror humans' behavioral, both physical and emotional tendencies, and for the focus on the interconnectedness of all beings. She has served animals and humans around the world, offering seminars on how we can improve our lives by learning from animals. Her inclusive approach benefits both the animal and the human to deepen the bond between them. In other words, Lori's services provide to the human that which their animal friend and the greater animal kingdom wants and desires for all humans. Lori has created classes that share how to communicate with your pet, which includes telepathic methodologies, and energy healings welcome to know the name know the genius in you radio show lori hi sharon
1: thank you so much for having me i'm really excited about our call today
0: me too lori i've got to ask you some questions that are a little bit off topic before we get deeply involved in your animal communication work because you've had multiple near-death experiences what you're sharing in your new book, Two Years in Maui. Uh, we want to know how close is that to coming out, and would you briefly describe what those near-death experiences were like?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, what happened for me was when I moved to Maui, it might be a little helpful just to get a little bit of background information with this. Um, so what happened for me was I was working in corporate America for like 20 years out of college, and I was really, really miserable for those 20 years. And so I was using all kinds of unhealthy ways of behaving, patterns of behaving like smoking excessively, drinking excessively, eating excessively, spending excessively. (laughs) I was going to well-meaning doctors who were pumping me up with pharmaceutical drugs, and my life just completely was just a wreck. And, you know, I was miserable. I was dying a slow death and being a good slave. That's what I used to say. And what ended up happening was my brother died of a drug overdose. And I started getting messages from him from, you know, beyond the grave, so to speak, or, you know, from the non-physical realm. And I realized he was like my wake-up call. He was my trigger event in that sense. And his message was, you know, you have to change your ways. Otherwise, you're going to end up the way I ended up. And so I kind of, I took the guidance and I followed what I wanted to do, which was to be of service to animals on a global scale. That was my mantra. I went for 20 years. I kept saying it over and over again. I want to be of service to animals on a global scale. And so I ended up becoming a dog trainer. I got hired by a guy who spent 20 years training animals for the United States government as service dogs, you know, service dogs. And the animals would talk to me and they would, you know, when I was going undergoing the training, I would hear them and they would say, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you. You listen to me and I will teach you. So ultimately what ended up happening was I got real. I started to get happy. And my then husband divorced me because that wasn't okay with him, you know, me getting happy or me talking to dead people or talking to animals. None of that was okay. So I moved to Maui and start my own business as a dog trainer slash animal communicator. And during that time, I was also going through the spiritual process. So I I would meditate myself to sleep every night and I would meditate myself through the evening on the golf course every night. And I got to the point where I could basically meditate myself to complete and total stillness to the point where the physical reality, as we understand it, basically dis dis dissolved before me or to all, all physical reality basically shattered. I don't know how even to explain it in other ways, So that included my own physicality. But during that process as well, with all that meditating, I was studying from some incredible teachers who had also really studied their life, um, their life purpose or their life practices through practices that were in what we call the ancient book, the Tibetan book of the dead, you know, ancient books. And I was learning how to completely my consciousness or still my physical experience, my emotional experience, my mental experience to the point that all physicality dissolved. So when I talk about, to go to your question, what I'm saying about a near-death experience, it wasn't in a hospital, but it also wasn't what many spiritualists know to be an astral travel or astral experience where I'm still in my physical body and I'm just in the fourth-dimensional realm of non-physicality. It wasn't that either. It was a complete and total, uh, more than one time experience of the body dying, the body death, the physical death in a a non-hospital type of
0: situation where I was able to transcend physicality. Does that make sense? It definitely does. So what was the main thing that you learned from going through this, what you call a near-death experience? Yeah, I love that you asked that, because that's really the good
1: question. This is the thing. The non-physical realm is so light, light in terms of energetic frequency and vibration, that it's completely blissful. It's so euphoric. In other words, let me, let me say, when I had the, the, there were more than one experience, like one experience was in meditation where my consciousness was vacuum sucked out of my body. And the last thing you feel when that happens is fear because of huge fear. Oh my God, I'm dying. But the moment you feel that your body, your consciousness doesn't die. You can't die. So you can't transcend it. You have to transcend all that fear. But in one of the experiences that I had, I was surrounded by a room full of 20 other people who were also learning similar practice. And there was a master, this master teacher standing at my head who I don't know how to, you know, this is like going to sound so strange, but he blew the essence of my consciousness out of my physical form. So my entire consciousness elevated to a frequency of lightness that was so blissful, so euphoric. And in that state of being that I'm completely non physical, I didn't even want to come back. It was he was the master who was able to pull my consciousness back into the physical experience of life as we know it and my physical embodiment. But when that happened, and I came back into physical form, everyone in the room, the 20 people around me, all they wanted to do was just put one finger on my skin. They just put one finger on one, any part of my body, and all of us, for so two another maybe almost full hour or more, were hysterical laughing. Like, I'm talking like, Belly hunched over laughing because this energy of the bliss and this euphoria, it's so overwhelming. You can't do anything but laugh. So they're just touching my skin and they're receiving that energetic transmission of all that euphoric bliss. That we're just hysterical laughing, over 20 people in a room hysterically laughing for a full hour or more. At the result of me coming back into the embodiment,
0: the physical experience. So my you know point what? that I'm making is, I think and I'll any, stop here. I think anybody from just what you described, if they were just looking in and not really understanding what was going on, might think you were on drugs or something with everybody just having such a good time. but um, Yeah,
1: that's my point. It's just
0: so euphoric.
1: I mean, I know I'm explaining this story a little too long, but the point is, it's just the non-physical realm, the energy is so beautifully, lovingly, blissfully euphoric you would never, you could not really fully understand it until you experience it. And it is possible for us all to experience it and still have a body. That's my point. It just transcends all of our painful, unpleasant experiences that we have here because we, come, we become in, engulfed in, 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 we embody that kind of blissful energy.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense, and you got there through meditation. Okay, we need to take our first break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard on xzbn.net and X-Zone Broadcast Network and as a podcast on iTunes and on knowthename.com. After the break, we'll find out how Lori developed her ability to speak to animals and understand their responses. Stay tuned.
3: No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at SimulTV.com. Do it today.
0: Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Lori Spagna, whose website is her name, L-O-R-I, and the last name is S-P, like in Peter, A-G, like in girl, N, like in Nancy, A.com. So it's L-O-R-I-S-P-A-G-N-A.com. Now, this is the part of the show, Lori, where we interpret your name. Are you ready? Oh
1: my God, I'm so excited. Yes, I would love to hear this.
0: So this is some of what your name says. First of all, it says you were born with self-confidence and that you came in with so much love that you're able to have enough love that you would adopt pets and people and that love's got to go somewhere. So you got to find recipients for your love. It says that you like to be the one in charge because you generally have a sense of knowing of what's going on. And if you can't be the one in charge, then at the very least you need autonomy. It says that you have a really hard time when somebody's not honest with you because you cherish the truth and seeking the truth that you have um, you don't want to give them a second chance really if you don't have to type of thing you might be polite to them but uh, it's hard to trust that one again after they were dishonest it says that you've got a nice rebellious spirit don't want to be told what to do if you're being asked, you're more than agree- um, agreeable because you like to feel useful, but you have this long list and you add things to the bottom of the list and then you work off the top of the list and you can't stand to be nagged by somebody. So if they nag you wherever they are in the list, you put it back on the bottom, you know, because they nagged. Um, but if they thank you for doing something that it, you know, goes toward the top of the list, uh, your name also says that you're able to handle a lot of attention And so some people don't like to be in the limelight, but it says you do that very well and that you have a remarkable memory for the things that you're interested in and can be an incredibly hard worker when you're interested in something, you know. So you've got to have an interest there first and that having the family that you did caused you to understand the importance of being liked, the importance of fairness and being fair with everybody and also gave you the spur that you wanted to be Um, making the world a better place than what it was. That's some of what's in your name. Oh, my God. That is
1: so right on. That's incredible. I love that.
0: Thank you so much. You're welcome. So at the end of the show, I give where I found it in your name. That's at the tail end of the show. So my next question for you, Lori, is... Is everyone psychic just to varying degrees, like everyone can cook, only some are really great cooks and others not so much? Or is psychicness just something special that some people get?
1: Everyone is psychic. Everyone has the ability to be psychic. Not everyone is going to be guided toward it or interested in it. Not everyone will necessarily have the same kinds of psychic gifts, because the word psychic is a very big word. And it's really misunderstood in our reality. So everyone's intuitive. Everyone has some form of psychic gifts. Not everyone will enhance or develop all their gifts in the same way,
0: but everyone has the ability. Everyone has it. So when, when you started communicating with animals, Um, how did you know you were going to be able to do that? So you heard your brother talking to you, but how did you transfer that over to animals? And when did you make that connection?
1: Well, I, you know, I didn't really know I was going to be able to do it. It just started happening, actually. Because once my brother crossed over and I was getting messages from him, I was testing them. Because, you know, Sean, I thought I was crazy. Just like anybody else who starts waking up having these kinds of things happen you initially do think you're crazy a little bit. I think people do. And so I didn't grow up in a psychic family. In fact, I grew up in a family, as you can probably tell by my name, who sort of repressed and suppressed and denied. And they were, you know, unconsciously lying. You know, they didn't mean to lie. They just weren't being honest. That drove me crazy, just like you said. So I was always a truth seeker. And through that process, I was always like questioning things in my mind, So when my brother started crossing over, you know, crossed over and started talking to me, I was questioning everything. I was looking for validation. I was looking for evidence. And the same thing happened when I started hearing animals. I was looking for validation. I was looking for evidence. I was checking and rechecking if what I was hearing or what I was seeing or what I was receiving was accurate. And through an ongoing process of testing, retesting, getting validation, that's when I started to know. And then I had more and more experiences like that that would validate it and just wild things would happen
0: that there was just no way to deny. So that helped you gain your confidence in it. So my curiosity says, is there a difference if you're communicating with an animal versus communicating with a dead person? Could you compare and contrast those? And, you know, what's the same and what's different? yeah
1: they are very different in one sense because they have they tend to have different reference points, so just like we have different reference points, you know like I've communicated with um animals who typically are their they're, they're le- they have less of a personal agenda, and their messages tend to be more about just helping and supporting their human. It's not about their own needs or what they're wanting necessarily directly. Also, like if you're communicating with an, like, for example, I've communicated with birds and I'll tend to get a reference point of what you would imagine a bird to have, like an aerial viewpoint or a lighter kind of energy, or sometimes there's fluttering sounds versus if I'm communicating with a dolphin, I might see sense or feel something that feels a little more extraterrestrial so to speak, because dolphins are from other planetary bodies. I know that's out there, but it's really true. Or it might, you know, there's just different reference points. So yes. And, and a human who's crossed over typically has very specific agenda about wanting to communicate things related to either the afterlife or the non-physical realm or their family lineage. So it's, it's just different reference points
0: in my experience. Anyway, I hope that makes sense. Yes, it made perfect sense. Thank you. I'm curious, What were people's reactions when you first told them that you could talk to animals? Did they think you were nuts or were they excited?
1: Well, the thing was, everything was pre-Maui and post-Maui. So pre-Maui, I didn't really actively engage in those gifts. And then when I went away to Maui, I developed and enhanced all of it while I was there during those two years. And then post-Maui, I didn't have any of the friends or relationships that I had before Maui, except for my nuclear family. And my nuclear family was primarily in denial about it for the first few years after. It was a very slow integration over time. They just started to accept it. So that's kind of how it went.
0: Did being able to communicate with the animals change your life? Completely.
1: Everything changed. Everything in my life was pre Maui, post Maui, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, communicating with animals completely changed my life because the thing was now I had the awareness that was beyond my own self-centered, egoic needs and wants and desires. It more became about how can I assist others using this ability? What can I do to use these gifts, talents, and abilities to help the animals and the humans in their lives? And really source, the divine source of creation, the creator of all that is, all that ever was, all that ever will be, That source of infinite love, infinite wisdom, infinite consciousness, it has its agenda too, which is to kind of help us to remember ourselves as it and to
0: express itself through in and through all of us. Does that make sense? Yes. When you were learning how to work with the animals and knowing how to interpret, you know, their language and what they were saying, did you find yourself having stumbling blocks sometimes or, um, problems along the way? And if you did, how did you overcome them? Yeah, I
1: mean, of course, that's part of the learning process. So the biggest stumbling block is always the personal self-doubt or the sense of, um, you know, the fear that you're not getting it right or doing it as well as it could be done. So that, and I think most people find that that's part of the learning process. The other really big stumbling block is our own personal um, programs, our own personal blocks, our own personal filters, because we always were the translator as animal communicators or even as psychics or even healers. We're just, we're the translator for the divine to come through or for the information to come through. And we can only translate as effectively as we are able to, you know, take that and clear through our own filters or blocks. So yes, all of that stuff was part of it. And then one other part I'll just say, if I can, which is really important, is that, you know, we humans, we have to clear through those blocks and filters on all levels, like emotional, physical, mental, energetic, spiritual. So that includes parts of our bodies, like our pineal gland, our pituitary gland, our heart center, our sinus, all the major energy centers of our body. Those all need to be cleared out as well in order for us to be effective. So. That was part of the process, too.
0: When you talk with animals, do you hear them, sense them, feel them, or just know intrinsically what they're saying? All of it. So
1: a lot of people have different experiences when they communicate with animals. For me, Sharon, I am so off-the-chart psychic. So I can hear them. I can receive and exchange images in terms of seeing. I can get what's called like um, downloads or dumps, like it's just pure pieces of chunks of information that comes in. I can sense and feel what's going on in their bodies if they want to share that with me, or if we want to share um, sensory information, just energetically, all of it. It, it. I'm so not limited in that way.
0: That I mean, is one so, thing. Yeah. Yeah. That is so tremendous. We need to take another break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard on xzbn.net and XZone Broadcast Network as a podcast on iTunes and on knowthename.com. After the break, we're going to find out about diseases and what Lori's learned about this area. Stay tuned.
2: Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network. www.xzbn.net.
0: AVS
2: Media. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvie, founder president by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the x Radio Show with Rob McConnell, the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka.
0: Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Lori Spagna, whose website is her name, L-O-R-I is how she spells Lori, and the last name is S-P-A-G-N-A dot com. Okay, Lori, you know, you have on your website so many different areas and what you've learned and what you're able to do, and the other area I was really fascinated by is that you stated that there's a root cause and cure for every disease, even as much as to indicate that this may be what your doctor and health food expert doesn't even know yet, and how you can even heal every disease for both people and animals. Talk to us about this, please.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love, love, love this topic. Yeah. So the root cause of every disease is an energetic vibration that's out of alignment with source. Now, that sounds esoteric, but I'm going to break it down because it's very simple. Every energy, everything is an energetic vibration, a frequency of vibration. And in the physical body, disease manifests as as a vibration that's not vibrating in harmony with love, peace, happiness, fulfillment, joy, or some similar kind of energy. So that means there's a vibrational frequency in the body that's not aligned with one of those energies or something similar. So far makes sense, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Keep going. Okay. Well, how does that vibrational frequency get there? That vibrational frequency that's not aligned with one of those higher vibrations, lighter frequencies, is in there because of our thoughts and our emotions. So we have a thought, let's say we have a thought that turns into a belief That turns into a belief system, a pattern of thinking over and over again. We do it either consciously or unconsciously. And then that thought, that thought pattern, that belief, that belief system, of course, has an energetic response in the body, which is going to be an emotional response. So if I think I'm angry or I hate or I'm, you know, some form of that kind of thought, I'm resentful, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm irritated, etc., that has an energetic response in the body that has emotion, that's, an, that's emotionally based and that energetic response vibrates throughout the body and eventually forms a dis-ease. Now, just to take this one step further, that energetic frequency will be absorbed by our animal companion who lives with us because animals are the ultimate empaths. That means they feel everything and judge nothing. So they feel what we feel, what our emotions are feeling, and because they love us so much, they're the ultimate empath, they're sponges. They will sponge up as much of that imbalanced energy, that emotional reaction response in their bodies, and they will take on the dis-ease to help us to see it as a reflection, to see it within them so that we can heal and resolve it within ourselves.
0: You know, I have seen that so many times with different friends and different people I've known that the animal, their dog, their cat, whatever their animal is, ends up with something and they go to the doctors and it really is an indication of what they have.
1: Yeah.
0: And I've also seen 100%. Yes. When animals almost self-sacrifice themselves and able to help cure their owners.
1: Yes. That's exactly what they're doing. It's not so much of a self-sacrifice, though. That's our word. What it is, is, in, from the way I translate it with animals, it's their desire to um, serve and support and assist their human through, yes, I mean, you could call it selfless service. That's a, that's, a, that's a real word that they would use. But they don't see it as a sacrifice. They see it as an honor
0: to help and to support and assist their human in the healing journey. That's just, isn't it? It's just amazing. You know, diabetes yeah. is the leading problem right now. Even so much so that some doctors and researchers are calling it a plague that's rapidly becoming worse than what was called the Black Death or the bubonic plague that hit in the early 1330s. You know, during the Middle Ages, is there a mm-hmm. cure or a way of thinking differently that would cure, you know, type one, type two, and Alzheimer's, which is now being called type three diabetes? Is there something yeah, that needs absolutely.
1: to change? Absolutely. First of all, I just want to say I've cleared diabetes from my family lineage, and it took me quite a while. So, you you know, it's not a pill that cures it. It's not an injection that cures it. So I just want to make that clear. What I'm about to offer is not a two-minute cure. But what it is at the root cause, when you talk about the belief systems of diabetes, the root cause is that there's no sweetness in my life. I have no ability to have sweetness. What is the sweetness of life? Joy, enjoyment, pleasure, sweetness, innocent enjoyment, play, fun and play. So the person who has the diabetes, in this case, we're going to talk about people. What's going on is through, generally through lineages. And If you think back to the early 1900s, especially in the United States, when we had like the Great Depression, or that whole era, it wasn't just, You know, where people were just all work, no play, and you had this major slave, slave driver kind of archetypical pattern of work, 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 you know, it's the Great Depression, there's no happiness, there's no sweetness, there's no money, all you do is slave away. That is the energetic vibration that's at the root cause of diabetes. And the imbalance has to come into allowing more sweetness and joy, but it has, it's linked into worthiness and deservability. Am I worth <coughs> having enjoyment and sweetness, and can I process the sweetness of life? So there's worthiness
0: and deservability in there. You see the, can you see those layers of that? Yeah. Is that also the same thing that would apply to what they're calling type 3 or Alzheimer's?
1: Well, Alzheimer's is something different. I don't know why they're calling that type three, because I'm not a doctor. So I don't know the, the physical part of it from a doctor's point of view, why they call that type three. From a healer's point of view, and I'm, I'm a healer, Alzheimer's is a willingness of the soul to forget. The, the soul doesn't want to remember. It's carrying traumas. I wouldn't even call it the soul. But I would say an aspect of the consciousness of the human, the being, that doesn't want to remember, doesn't want to go over it, wants to forget because of their old pains and traumas. And on some level wants to check out of this reality. So they're wanting to check out and they're making a conscious or unconscious choice on certain levels to check out and to forget their pain and to not remember it. So they're trying to sort of leave the body in a way without really fully processing through the emotional and or mental pain. But the Alzheimer's, in a sense, is its own kind of healing in a way because it's allowing that being to sort of check out and do some unconscious processing on another level. So
0: does that make sense? Yeah, it reminds me of a funny story that I've seen. I, I know a lot of people that are around my parents' age and I've watched some of them change the history And now they remember things differently and then they blame it on Alzheimer's just because and then they get mad at the other people that remember how it really was. You know, it's like, no, it wasn't that way, it was this way. Yeah. You know, you know, we also we
1: also often recreate the history through the memory that serves us best. I mean, we we do every time you use your consciousness, you're recreating a story, and the story itself changes based on your consciousness as your consciousness evolves so we kind of all do that in our own way you know it's always going on anyway
0: or the story can stay the same thing but the interpretation or the understanding of the story and what happened changes because our consciousness grows. okay so what do people do in your opinion to stay healthy
1: Well, you have to address health and well-being on all levels of your consciousness, on all levels of your experience. So, yes, you have to start eating, I'm saying you, but I mean all of us, we have to eat really super healthy food. And that means, you know, organics, non-GMOs, food from the earth, Mother Nature, greens and, you know, things that grow in the earth without all this artificial stuff. That's the physical level. And there are certain supplements that need to be supplemented to our diet that just aren't in everyday foods. We call those superfoods. That's the physical level. But on an emotional level and a mental level, we need to address that too with healthy thinking and healthy emotions. Feeling good. Feeling happy. You know, Animals say all the time, if you're not happy, you're not healthy. That's what they say. So it's like feeling happy, feeling healthy. Feeling good and all those energetic vibrations associated with feeling good, joy and peace and, you know, comp- you know, harmony and all those kinds of things. And, and then not denying, this part's also really important, not denying, pretending, or suppressing those shadow aspects that make us feel bad, but rather bringing them up to the surface so they can be properly addressed, healed, and resolved, in a safe and appropriate way, in a safe and appropriate environment, either with a trusted third-party neutral person, like a therapist or a healer or a coach, you know, or a guide, someone who's not involved. So you can work through it, heal it and resolve it, and you don't carry it on an unconscious level. That's how we stay healthy. We have to address it on all levels and all layers. And one last piece on this, not just emotionally and mentally, but also energetically and spiritually as well. Those levels also need to be addressed.
0: You know, and sometimes it takes a lot more work and a lot more effort than what people are willing to do or if they think it's going to be easier than it is and sometimes people give up. Um, We need to take our last break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard on XZBN.net and XZone Broadcast Network as a podcast on iTunes and on KnowTheName.com. After the break, we're going to find out a warning about vaccinations of what Lori Spagna has in her name and what has assisted her that you may have in your name as well. Stay tuned. WilliamSPackham.com. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Lori Spagna, whose website is her name, l-o-r-i-s-p-a-g-n-a.com. She's taken her skills to a level where Lori is able to communicate with both two- and four-legged animals. She then assists others to stay mentally uh, healthy and physically healthy so each person can live to their best and highest. Lori, we were talking about right before the break different thoughts that keep people happy. And I love what you said on, if you're not happy, you're not healthy, that the animals are sharing that with you. Are there specific types of thoughts that keep people healthy and conversely, categories of thoughts that cause disease? Well, I, I think,
1: yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. I think there are specific thoughts that keep us healthy. The thing is we have to be real and authentic with ourselves too. So, yeah, always a thought of love, a thought of peace, a thought of joy, a thought of service, a desire, a willingness to be of service to fellow humans, to the earth, to animals, to, you know, to higher, to, you know, one another. Those are all thoughts that lead to betterment in the body, you know, well wishes, you know, wishes of peace and love and kindness and compassion. Those are higher, lighter frequencies. Those are higher, lighter vibrations that will elevate us through those thoughts. But of course, again, yet we have to be real with ourselves. So if we're not really feeling something or thinking that, it's not like you have to deny yourself something that needs to be worked through. It's just the intention should always be to work through it rather than to hang on to it. Even forgiveness. I mean, just a choice a willingness to try to forgive yourself for an experience you might've had with another, even if you feel like you can't forgive another, You know, just by choosing to forgive yourself for having gone through it is an upliftment, you know, so it doesn't always have to be all, you know, we get a little deluded sometimes to think we have to only have positive thoughts, when in reality, we have to be authentic and real, but at the same time, always choosing higher, lighter thoughts.
0: You know, yeah. I have a different definition of forgiveness. When you said forgive yourself, I always think of forgiveness as you are for, not against giving back to the universe that which you no longer want to carry. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. Or it doesn't serve you yeah. to carry it. So give it back. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, so yeah. you've mentioned on your website, and again, that's com, that you things are being introduced during vaccinations um, that really cause diseases in autism could and you call it the gcmaf and some of us have heard that term before and some of us haven't so would you explain that and what you're talking about and how um some vaccinations are doing that with blockers that the blockers that they're using are causing uh, problems and what questions to ask before you would get a vaccination, if you chose to get a vaccination?
1: Okay. So first, I don't think I actually talk about GCMAF. I, I, what I do is, I'm not sure where you saw that, but what I talk about with vaccines is that the body has a natural ability to heal itself, and that vaccines are loaded with toxic substances that, ap- that actually deplete the body and break down the body. And I'm not a vaccine vaccination expert, and where do I post about that or share about that? It's not my area of expertise, but what I do say is there's all kinds of toxic substances in vaccines that are harmful and detrimental to the body, and that in reality, it stops Uh, It's designed to basically interfere with the DNA. So we have, actually, I talk about the DNA a lot. So we have two strands of DNA that are active, engaged DNA that store up the history of our lives and our ancestors and our ancestors' ancestors, and all the information in the history of our ancestral lineage and our bloodlines is stored in the first two strands of DNA and that can actually be healed and resolved. It can actually be completely um, nullified. In other words, the non-beneficial aspects of the first two strands of DNA can be completely um, neutralized, other than that it's just a record of information with no potency other than the information that's there. In other words, you become neutral to it and impervious to it. That's the first two strands. Now, vaccines are not only messing with the first two strands, but perhaps even worse, they're they're stopping the ability to activate the next 10 strands, which science has very well documented now that there's 10 more strands of dormant DNA. Those 10 strands are storing up all of our extrasensory superhuman abilities, our our ability to to all be psychic, all healers, all restore ourselves to our ideal and optimal state of health and well-being, that our ability to know things way beyond 10% of our brain consciousness, which so most humans are using now. And in other words, all that and so much more is in the other 10 strands of DNA. And these, these vaccines are stopping those from turning on. They're really messing with us in the worst ways. Imaginable, and I will go further on the vaccines to say that uh, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm off the charts at all by saying there is conspiracy involved in there, and it is malevolent intention. I'm not afraid to say that. I just don't think that that should be part of our reality. But we have to wake up to it. And there's just a lot of kind of I'll stop after this. A lot of brainwashing going on, you know, through the systems. Even in the schooling and educational system, even in the medical institutions by pharmaceutical drug companies and even those beyond higher ups, beyond pharmaceutical drug companies who want to push a private secret covert agenda for vaccines that are harmful and detrimental, not only to humans, but also to animals.
0: Well, what I've read in different books on vaccines is it's not so much the vaccine, the original part that was doing good, but it's the blockers that they use. And so I think it's really important to ask a physician, if you're choosing to have a vaccine, what blockers are being used and to know which blockers are beneficial or neutral and which blockers are very dangerous, like mercury, which is used as one of the blockers. Um, Yeah. All right. You have so many free gifts to share on your website, like an introduction to learning animal communication and uh, developing your intuitive gifts and a juicy living ebook, and unlocking your dormant DNA. Would you talk to us about these free gifts and why you put them out there and what you're hoping people are going to use them for and how it's going to help them?
1: Yeah, I mean, if they want to go to lauryspagna.com forward slash free gifts, They can get tons of amazing content on how to start practicing animal communication and telepathy with their animals right away. They can get a free class on learning uh, how to develop their own intuition and access some of their psychic gifts. You know, it's a full class on that. You know, it's an intro class. They can also get a meditation and a healing on um, learning about lightworkers and what that is, how to work with the light and the non-physical realm plus so much else. I mean, there's a whole class on your DNA, really understanding the DNA from not only from a psychic perspective, a spiritual perspective, but also from a physical perspective, understanding it in everyday layman terms and how it's so important to wake that up within us. So yeah, all that stuff's over at lauriespania.com. I think it's great, really rich, juicy content, very advanced stuff. And I'm happy to have anyone enjoy it and benefit from it. If they go over there, lauriespania.com forward slash, Free gift.
0: Yeah, I, when I was looking at your website, I thought, wow, this is so generous. There's so much information here that you're willing to share. Lori, if you could change one thing about people's understanding or how they look at the world, what would that be?
1: Oh, my goodness. That is an awesome question. If I could change one thing, I would ask them to liberate themselves, to claim sovereignty over their minds their emotions their bodies and their being complete and total sovereignty claim sovereignty and liberate themselves from the programming
0: of the reality we've existed in and just to see a wider perspective so that they can raise their consciousness thank you so yeah, much Lori, for being with us today we really appreciate it um
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been such an honor and a pleasure. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much
0: for allowing me to share. Ah, my pleasure. Be prepared and surprised and pleased when you experience Lori Spagna's work. Again, her website is her name. It's L O R I S P A G N A dot com. Lori's name indicates that she excels at having an abundant amount of love, whereas it needs to go somewhere into people's animals, you know, something. She's got all this love to share. This is found in the first vowel of the first name being the letter O. If your first vowel is the letter O, You, too, have a lot of love, and you nurture the people and the animals around you, and all that love's got to go somewhere. Do you want to know where your genius lies? I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, host of this radio show, Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard every weekday at various hours right here on XCBN.net Radio and Zone Broadcast Radio Station and on KnowTheName.com. Tune in to hear the fascinating ways other people discover the genius in themselves and what they're able to accomplish. In each upcoming show, you're going to hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. And for all the days and times of Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, you can visit xzbn.net and check out our broadcast schedule. If you wish to know how to read a person's name or more about your own name, you can go to the website, knowthename.com. And give yourself a gift of the session. You can schedule an appointment with me by visiting knowthename.com. Remember, once you know the name, you know all about the real person. This is Sharon Lynn Wyatt signing off.